This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Ten years after the recession, more focus being given to Wall Street and whether we're overlooking vulnerabilities in the markets. The New York Times recently featured an op-ed on the corporate debt bubble, which is around $41 trillion on the bond market uh, right now. The bond market currently looks pretty strong, but it could change as interest rates rise and borrowers fail to meet their obligations. That, uh, that op-ed was written by William Cohen, a former investment banker and a special correspondent to Vanity Fair and author of the most recently uh, released Why Wall Street Matters. Uh, he wrote this op-ed, The Big Dangerous Bubble in Corporate Debt. And uh, William joins us on the phone right now, as does uh, Jyoti Totham, who is a New York Times new business and economics editor, who will be joining us in just a second, also overseeing the new business op-ed section. William, great to have you with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So take us into the importance you see uh, of bringing this forward at this point, especially when everything we see reported uh, about the markets and about the economy right now is is always portrayed in the positive. Well, that's probably the very reason that uh, I, I felt the need to, to sort of to write this, and Jody uh, agreed, Uh is that uh, it's just when everything is looking so great uh, that we tend to overlook um, all sorts of crumbs along the trails to trouble, uh, thinking that if everything is going to continue to be great. Uh, the stock market's great. The bond market's great. The economy is uh, booming. The unemployment rate is low. Our president you know, tweets about how great everything is uh, all the time. And I think if you actually sort of look underneath the surface, uh, you'll see uh, trouble brewing uh, that's very hard to ignore, and and especially, I think in the bond market, you know, this which is 41 trillion, as you said, as compared to the stock market, which is around 30 trillion. Uh, there are a lot of hidden risks in the bond market. A lot of the uh, uh, past uh, financial crises and recessions have started in the in the credit markets mm-hmm. because they freeze up, credit is no longer available. Uh, and, and, of course, credit is the lifeblood of our economy. If, if companies can't get it, if municipalities can't get it, if individuals can't get credit, then they, then they can't sort of power the economy uh, as, as we would like, as we continue to hear it's doing so great. So right. um, I think people, especially in the bond market, I think it's safe because they think that uh, there's an obligation on the other side to repay their money, uh, plus with interest. And there is that obligation. Uh, but people forget that it can be very risky as well. And that's why I felt the need to, to remind people that it can be risky and that here, here are some of the crumbs that I'm seeing uh, on the pathway. We have uh, Jyoti Thottam on the line with us right now. Jyoti, welcome. And, and take us into why you thought this was such an important topic to, to start off this new section with. Yes, hello. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, well, one of the things that really um, we wanted to do was to you know, be mindful of what happened in the last financial crisis, which is there was a sense that there were so many warning signs, red flags waving that somehow people missed. So, you know, 10 years later, we're kind of always on, on the lookout for those kinds of signs. And so Bill's piece, I thought, um, did a really good job of kind of, you know, 
bringing to the surface some of the concerns about the bond market that are definitely out there, but perhaps hadn't quite risen to the level of uh, sort of ordinary people really understanding what was going on. Um, so that was something that we wanted to, to do with his piece, kind of show people like, listen, you know, there are some really concerning things here, right. and you should think about them and kind of understand what's going on without sort of, you know, unnecessarily, um, you know, raising a lot of alarms. I mean, uh, this is something to think about for sure, but I thought right. it did a great job of kind of laying it out without going too far. In part, uh, William, I mean, the cycle of, of issues that we see in the financial sector the the possibility is there just from the normal cycle that maybe not today, maybe not next month, but in the next 12 months, 18 months that we could be looking at, you know, another, you know, significant economic downturn that that uh, that this country could be facing. Uh, well, well, look, I mean, uh, financial crises are, are part of the human condition. Uh, the, the, you know, it, did, it didn't take Wall Street to bring about. Uh, financial crises. It's part of human nature. Uh, uh, it's just, the, the, you know, part of what we have to deal with. Uh, and uh, I think that, you know, America was founded in the midst of a financial crisis because the, the federal government couldn't pay back the debt uh, uh, that it took on to uh, have the Revolutionary War. And basically, as I walk through in Why Wall Street Matters, uh, there's been a financial crisis pretty much every 20 years in this country yeah. uh, uh, since it started. And uh, sometimes those are more severe than others. Uh, sometimes, actually, there are long periods where there is no uh, financial crisis, especially uh, after regulations tightened considerably after the Great Depressions. It basically was quiescent in the, in the, in the financial markets until the mid-'80s. Uh, but uh, as a result of uh, all these investment banks uh, and banks generally going public and substituting uh, uh, other people's money for partners' capital. Uh, bankers and traders have been rewarded to take big risks with other people's money, and that's still the way it is. And so that's exacerbated uh, financial crises basically in the last 40 years, and they get deeper and more severe. And we saw that in spades uh, 10 years ago. And I think uh, Jody's absolutely right mm -hmm. that we need to begin in a, in a, in a calm uh, and detailed way uh, begin to remind people that uh, just because uh, you know the stock market continues to go up, just because the unemployment rate continues to go down, just because the economy GDP seems to be growing, uh, and and the president uh, you know uh, talks about that uh, repeatedly, right. that doesn't mean that there aren't risks brewing. And I think it's important to point those out. I, I think also, um, you know, when we think about the historical cycles of boom and bust, you know, financial crisis, and then this period of retrenching, uh, you know, Ben Bernanke himself was a student of um, depressions and recessions and, and what to do after that. And right. so he and, uh, you know, uh, everyone else around him, they, they sort of came up with this uh, somewhat novel policy quantitative easing, yeah. which, you know, in retrospect, certainly, you know, perhaps was the, the right thing to do. But one of the things that I felt Bill did in his piece really well was to lay out, you know, okay, well, we had QE. It, at some point, it had to be unwound. Sure. And after so many years of super low interest rates, you know, what what's the effect of that? You know, we don't, we don't know. Like, we're going to see that right now. And so I mean, that's... It's not just, um, you know, m me just sort of 
you know, coming up with thinking about this with, with Giotti. I mean, you have people, everybody from Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, he, sure. he's worried about it. Uh, James Grant, who's the you know sort of guru of the bond market at Grant's Interest Rates Observer, he writes about this uh, repeatedly. Jeffrey Gunlock, who, who runs one of the biggest uh, bond funds uh, on the planet, he has worried about this continuously yeah. and talked about it. So, I mean, there are a lot of experts who think about this too, and and it's. You know, again, the idea was to bring it to, as, as best we could, to, uh, you know, regular Americans to begin thinking about what to do about this. So then, uh, Bill, how, how big of a role potentially would this corporate debt bubble play if, you know, if we do get to a, a potential recession in the next several years? Well, you know, uh, you know it's hard to know. One never knows uh, where, what the catalyst is going to be. Right. For the next financial crisis, we, we know that there will be one. Uh, we know that there have been catalysts in the past, uh, but the truth is, nobody rings a bell at the top of the market and says, "That's it, it's over, it's been fun, guys, it's all downhill from here." Uh, you know, I remember uh, when I was uh, a banker at Lazard, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> twenty. Uh, seven uh, years ago uh, uh, when uh, the management of United Airlines was trying to take United Airlines private uh, in what was then one of the largest management buyouts of all time. And they had gotten a commitment letter from Citibank to finance that deal. But uh, suddenly uh, Citibank went back to the management and said, we can't finance this deal. The market is not there for this buyout, and this was in 1991, and then immediately thereafter, this is you know four years after the uh, uh, stock market crash of 1987. Uh, uh, four years later, uh, uh, this became a huge problem and shut down the credit markets for the next two or three years. Right. Uh, and basically, the fact that this UAL buyout could not be financed uh, in the market. That was uh, the signal that the party was over and that we are now heading into a severe credit crunch. Uh, you know, anything could be a catalyst. Maybe Tesla uh, trying to go private will be a catalyst uh, for this market uh, shutting down. And, and that's when real trouble happens because people, everyday people who had nothing to do with it, uh, with the excess, uh, can't get access to, to capital. And that's a big problem. Yeah. Well, well why do you think then that the markets uh, have an issue at, at mispricing risk at this point? Well, as Johnny was talking about, that gets back to this whole, uh, you know, uh, experiment uh, that Ben Bernanke, uh, the Fed chairman, put in place uh, after the financial crisis in 2008 for basically the next eight years, this quantitative easing program, which expanded the Fed's balance sheet from around $900 billion to $4.5 trillion, with them buying up, you know, all kinds of debt securities, right, from, from safe treasuries to all these mortgage-backed securities that were on the balance sheets of, of these banks. Uh, and as a result of the combination of wanting to keep short-term interest lo- rates low and then buying up all of these bonds in the market, which f- forced their prices up and up and up, and, uh, and since bond prices are in inverse trade in inverse proportion to their yield, the yields were forced down. So uh, yields of bonds all over the place were... Uh, near zero, very low, as low as they've been in our lifetime. And investors, of course, don't want low yields. They want high yields. They yeah. want to find uh, debt instruments that pay them higher and higher yields. So as a result of that, they would bid up the price of other 
high-yielding securities drive down their yield, and, and the cycle just continues so that you have this sort of continuous eight-year period of mispricing risk. And that's where I think we are now. Jyoti? And, and I think the, the thing that's still unclear that we can't yet know is, is this going to be a bad thing just for individual companies? You know, right. once uh, the, the pendulum swings the other way, is it going to mean, okay, well, this particular company took on too much debt, it couldn't handle, you know, now the market has changed. Does it mean, you know, just a handful of individual companies uh, go bust without affecting the rest of the market? And, you know, same thing with individual countries who may have taken on too much dollar-denominated debt, you know, more than they can handle. Is it just those individuals, or are they connected? And that's what it's, – it's very difficult to know at this stage, and, and I think that's what I'm really looking at now. Like, you know, to what extent are these things kind of – uh, related to each other. And, and it's a very important story, Jyoti, because of the fact that, you know, the, the, the amount that the Federal Reserve obviously has kind of taken on, it, it's not any small amount that they're trying to unwind at this point, and it's going to continue to take some time to be able to do that. That's right. That's right. And we can't know. I mean, it was so, you know, it was such a big amount. So then unwinding that, we've never seen it before, as, you know, Jamie Dimon pointed out recently. So, so now we're waiting to see what what actually happens next. We are joined. We are joined on the uh, phone by uh, Gioti uh, Thottam, who is uh, the, the New York Times. Uh, she is the new business and economics editor, and also by William Cohen, who's a former investment banker who uh, wrote an op-ed uh, for uh, this new section called "The Big Dangerous Bubble in Corporate Debt." Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you can't get your phone. You can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Bill, obviously, with, with the quantitative easing that, that obviously occurred and, and flooding the, the zone and all, it, it, it did help the banks. You know, it kind of cleansed those balance sheets. But I guess for a lot of smaller businesses and, and individuals, why didn't it give a bigger boost for them to be able to get loans or for the home buyers to get mortgages? Well, because the pendulum swings on, on, the, on the credit underwriting front, and the banks go from seeming to have virtually no standards, like just if you breathe, you can get a mortgage. If you breathe, you can get a line of credit uh, to, uh, you know, disaster striking, as happened in, in 2008, and then the pendulum, the credit pendulum swings back the other way. Uh, only the, the, the most credit-worthy companies, the, the single-A, the double-A, the triple-A uh, companies, you know, can get uh, access to capital, or, or the private equity funds, or the hedge funds. They can get all the capital they need all day long. But, but you know, individual homeowners or people who want to buy a home who thought maybe in, the, you know, in 2006 and 2007 all they had to do was breathe to get a mortgage, right. uh, now they can't get one. Small and medium-sized businesses, which drive so much job creation in this country, uh, were basically choked off from the credit markets uh, after the financial crisis, uh, and despite uh, the low interest rates that Ben Bernanke had essentially manufactured uh, through the quantitative easing program. 
so on the surface, it kind of looked like the, the credit was flowing everywhere. And yes, to the big banks and the big companies and the big hedge funds and the big private equity firms, they could get all the capital they needed. Uh, small and medium-sized businesses took a lot longer, and, and, and they may still not be able to get the capital they need. And homeowners may still not be able to get the mortgages that they'd like to buy a home unless they put down some large uh, percentage you know, in, in equity. Uh, so you've got sort of uh, lots of things going on underneath the surface at the same time, uh, which I think, you know, at the moment seems to me the, the, the biggest risk is th this desire by investors around the world for higher and higher yields has forced them to take, to misprice the bonds that they are buying, the debt that they are buying, the loans that they are buying. They are not getting adequately compensated for the risk that they are taking. Uh, and they are willing to forego all kinds of covenants and other protections that in, in other credit markets they would yeah. never stand for uh, to, to, to get a hold of these yields. And you, and you use the example in the piece that you did uh, of Assurian and uh, the, those covenant light loans, as you called them. That's right. right. And that was one of the things that really resonated with me because yeah. I, I feel like people, you know, they, they remember it wasn't too long ago um, – uh, what the mortgage market was like uh, in 2006, 2007, uh, and it's and it's sort of a an equivalent. It's it's a similar thing. I wouldn't say equivalent, but uh, the same way that you had that sort of loosening of credit standards in the mortgage market before 2008, you see the, a similar kind of thing now um, uh, in the corporate debt market. And that that I I can't help but be worried. You know, when you when you hear about things like that. Um, Bill? And it's across, it's literally across, uh, you know, the spectrum. It's not just one isolated industry or, or a group of companies. I mean, this is, this is happening throughout uh, the corporate loan and bond market. And as Jody is uh, right to point out, uh, a lot of these loans are, uh, are made by the big banks, but then they're repackaged into securities and, and sort of that, that kind of uh, potential trouble is exported as investments all around the world, and that's basically what happened with mortgage-backed securities in, in in 2005, 2006, and 2007, leading up to the crisis. These mortgages that should probably never have been made uh, were packaged up in securities and exported and sold around the world, and and so sort of the the cancer that was growing was exported around the world, and you know something similar I fear is uh, happening now. I mean you can't. You can't misprice risk for eight years and expect no consequences to it. What, what about what about we what we could be seeing in Turkey right now as well, Bill? Well, yeah, I think know, again, that's very worrying. Um, yeah. I mean, because you can see it's that uh, that chasing of yield that had been going on in the last few years, right? I mean, yeah. investors are looking for higher yields, not just in the United States, but all around the world, and so that's what makes it possible um, for some of these projects. Uh, to get that financing uh, in different countries. And now, again, yeah. you know, even if you didn't have this kind of political conflict uh, at the moment between Turkey and the U.S., the underlying problems, the economic yeah. problems were there and likely would have come to light in any case. And I think that, that uh, you know, Ben Bernanke's idea of quantitative easing really, you know, worked well in this country to get our banks back to being healthy and sort of beginning to get our economy rolling again. I mean, the U.S. banks are, are, are the healthiest in the world. Our economy is one of the healthiest in the world. And so central bankers around the world copied what Ben Bernanke did in Japan, in, in the Eurozone. 
and, and so uh, uh, it's not just uh, mispricing of risk that's happened in this country. It's happened yeah. with, with debt securities, uh, frankly, all around the world. I mean, uh, again, Jim Grant, who's such an expert in this, it, it writes about all the time these crazy bonds that are trading, you know, uh, uh, with less yield than U.S. Treasury securities, because investors are so desperate for that yield that they bid them up and drive down their yields. It's it's just uh, insane. But, and, and the question is, how does it come home to roost? But Jyoti, That's the part we don't know. Jyoti, how, how similar, I mean, are some of these elements that we are seeing right now to what mm-hmm. we saw pre-2008? I think some of them are similar. I mean, one of the things that uh, that I would be thinking about, for example, is um, to what extent are big pension funds uh, invested in some of these securities? You right. know, in the same way that they, you know, found themselves exposed to mortgage-backed securities before 2008 in ways that it's like, oh my goodness, we didn't we didn't realize the extent of this. I think, uh, uh, you know, I would be taking a hard look at that. Um, that is something that worries me. Bill? Well, of course. I mean, uh, uh, the biggest investors in these markets are, are big uh, bond markets or mutual funds, pension funds. I mean, firefighters' pensions, police pensions, yeah. teacher pensions, ordinary Americans who probably don't think that they are taking the risks that they are taking uh, by being part of these, by buying into buying into these risky bonds. Uh, they think, okay, I, I, I've got a five percent coupon i'm going to get my five percent interest rate and i'm going to get my money back unfortunately if you don't hold a bond to maturity uh... when presumably it'll pay off but it doesn't always uh, bond prices fluctuate wildly and it doesn't take much i mean one one example uh... is you know the bonds of of toys r us which was the biggest toy retailer that kkr had taken private yeah. i mean it, it, they were trading at near par near a hundred cents on the dollar until kkr announced last year that the firm uh, the company was going to go bankrupt and then the the bonds have lost 95 percent of their value and that's money that's not coming back it can't be recovered it's it's gone you know uh you know billions of dollars 95 percent of that is gone well coming back and, and kkr was involved with unilever uh, on the the margarine business for uh if you know going back a exactly. while, little while and and, and, and well, there's an example of you know where uh, they uh, issued, uh, you know, got all sorts of sort of cov light, covenant light uh, uh, debt, and yeah. uh, you know, the, the market just snapped it right up. Mm-hmm. So, what do you both think needs to be done at, at this point with kind of some of these these scenarios kind of sitting out there right now, Jyoti? Mm-hmm. Well, as Bill points out, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the people who are putting these deals together. Uh, are getting paid, right? So until you kind of change people's incentives, which is a you know a whole other topic, um, I don't know that uh, fundamentally things are are going to change. I mean, he makes the point, and I think it's a it's a really important one that um, in some cases companies are taking on debt that they were then using not to you know build a new factory or uh, invest in new technology, but Sometimes they were using the money that they borrowed to pay fees to their private equity owners. Right. I mean, that's that's not a very productive use of capital. Um, so, you know, when that kind of thing is possible on the scale that it's possible right now, I think that's that's something we have to take a hard look at. Bill, your thoughts? I, I, I mean, I agree completely. I mean, th- this is not something that can be or should be regulated. This, this really, to change this behavior, of course, would be great if you changed 
what you rewarded people on Wall Street to do. That, of course, uh, requires great courage, <laughs> yes. which doesn't seem to be in the offing. But, uh, uh, you know, credit committees exist at all of these firms. They could definitely tighten up their credit standards. They know at these firms that this is what got them into trouble 10 years ago. So they, they can see this happening. They can see the movie again. It requires them to say, okay, we may not get, uh, we may not do this particular deal, or we may only do this particular deal on these more stringent terms. And it may mean we lose this deal. It may mean we don't get this fee. It may mean we don't get this assignment. But that's the right, right. thing to do for our institution. Now, that requires a lot of courage. I don't see it. Jyoti, uh, we've got about a minute left. I wanted to take the last part of the show and, and have mm -hmm. you talk about this op-ed section specifically sure. and what you think it, it really brings to, you know, to what we see that, that we need right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yes, I, I'm, I started in March uh, as the business and e economics editor for op-ed. And we feel like there's really uh, people have a hunger, not just for yield, but a hunger to know uh, what's going on in the economy and how it's going to affect them. I think uh, that's definitely one of the lessons of the 2008 financial crisis is the way that, uh, you know, these decisions on Wall Street or in boardrooms uh, affect us all. And that's something that we're really interested in. I mean, in the past, uh, the Times has always been um, a home to really smart thinking from academics and think tanks, and we continue to be, uh, but I'm really trying to sort of uh, broaden the range of opinion on this subject and kind of bring it home for ordinary readers. And I, I feel like uh, Bill's piece did that so well, and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Great start for you. Thank you, Jyoti, for coming on today. Thank you. Bill, thank you very much for your time today. All the best. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, William Cohen, former investment banker, and uh, Giotta, Giotti uh, Tatum, who is uh, New York Times New Business and Economics Editor, joining us here. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.